listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Hardin, and we're talking about the big three, communication, finances, and intimacy. These are the three big marriage snags that people hit, and I'm actually going to be talking about them for the next few weeks because they're such big topics, but don't worry, just like with routines, for those who get antsy out there and are picturing this big three going on for too long, just kind of like that Seinfeld Chinese restaurant episode, which made me jump out of my skin because they were never leaving the same spot, I promise to make this relevant and interesting and something that you're going to want to sink your teeth into over the next few weeks. And I also wanted to share briefly that I really loved having my daughter Hannah's illustrations this weekend. She is such a delight. And as a four, I don't always share about her. I want to honor her privacy, but she actually said, no, mom, I love when you share about me and I don't mind at all. So my nine does also, and you already know that because I talk about my nine quite a lot, but my four really does love to just be part of things. And she really loved getting to explore her her graphics art pairing up with me a little bit on work stuff. So as much as I love flowers from what I shared on my IG, my past experiences in the flower shop and all of the different love stories I saw there, it's such a joy to be able to pair that up with Enneagram and then with my daughter. Oh my gosh, we are best friends and we got to work together and it was our delight to do that together and I could see our gifts at play together in our working and it was good for both of us. So that was fun. I hope you got to check those drawings out and find out your flower type and find out what your strengths and weaknesses are. But let's get going with this episode here. Today, we're mainly going to be covering communication. And I also want you to know that a little bit of saying we're going to isolate communication is just rhetoric because people don't realize, but all of this whole podcast and everything we're doing on this show is all about marriage communication. But when you try to isolate it out, people say, what are the big topics we want to talk about when we come to you for coaching or when we're working on counseling issues? And it's always those big three, communication, finances, and intimacy. So we're going to start with the communication and just being able to get a little deeper with you in this topic versus just kind of, like I said, the rhetoric of it in general. Communication in marriage is so critical and it's the word that people keep going back to time and again because it can go so far off. And I'm guessing that even though many of you had a wonderful Mother's Day weekend, and I sure hope you did, happy Mother's Day, I also know that sometimes our expectations and needs and desires are not met, especially on holidays. So, and I've even done some surveys around that in our Instagram community. So I know sometimes you're thinking, oh, I had such a nice one, it was lovely. And some of you are thinking, no way, I don't want that, I don't like that. It's a trigger. I've had grief. I've had hard times and my spouse doesn't get it or they missed me even though I work so hard. So I want you to know that this is all communication and we're going to cover today how to work with your unmet needs, expectations, as well as how to have fun together because absolutely relevant to the topic of communication is not only taking care of your issues, but also making sure that you're having fun. So the first thing I want to say about it all is, as you guys know, 
I have my R&R program and that's Relate and Release. My less intense book, Relate, is dealing with the basic marriage communication issues and then Release goes a little bit deeper. So at the end, if you're thinking you actually need a manual, I will give you a code so you can actually get the Release book or the Relate book on a discount if you need it now and you can even get it PDF so it can be an immediate gift to yourself. (laughs) I'm thinking some of you are like, I'm not gifting this to anybody else. I need this. But otherwise, just take the tips from this episode and roll with them. You might not need that. You might not need a whole tool kit or you might not need a session, but you might just need today's episode to get you rolling and get you some momentum. So I really like to start out in both of my programs, as I've mentioned before, with rest or replenishment because of that cell phone battery analogy I always give. You can't pull out your big apps until you get your recharge started. So make sure before you do anything communication-wise with your spouse that you're always thinking, how are we doing with replenishment? Are we able to actually take a little bit of time to ourselves? Do we hit that 10 hour a week mark on time together? Because we have to devote time together just replenishing if we're going to get absolutely anywhere in our marriage. And that is just vital. But after you've got that going, what's really cool is that you actually take time to dig in and work on your communication issues. So I have a whole list of things I want to make sure you don't do and a whole list of things I want you to do. And in the spirit of a seven, I'm going to start with what we don't like first so we can get that out of the way and we can end on joy because you know that's really a healthy way to live anyway, regardless, as I shared last time in the book Presence by Amy Cuddy, you want to make sure that you carry this out for success anyway in life versus just saying that's a seven thing. So we're going to start with what's good and what's bad in community. And I know I'm using strong terms there, so you can say positive and negative, but I am going to do a few of those good shoulds in this way that, yeah, some things really are bad in life. There are some black and white issues that you really don't want to do. Like, let's just start out with obvious ones. Like, you don't want to hit your spouse and you don't want to name call your spouse. And that one I'm calling some of you out on because as much as we're like, yeah, of course, we all know we don't want to hit. Name calling is something that comes into my session sometimes that people, not into my sessions where I'm like name calling or they're calling me names, thank God. But people do that at home sometimes. I want you to be real with yourself and ask yourself, do you do this sometimes? Because this is part of an unhealthy style of communication. It's a style of communication that exudes control over another person and suggests that you can have more of a say over their life than what they can and that you can make a judgment call, almost like I've said before with Atticus Finch and To Kill a Mockingbird saying, hey, I can walk around in your shoes. I do know every little bit of your fibers and being, and I know that that you are a fill in the blank. And that's just not cool. It's not true. You don't know your spouse as well as you think you do. Really important for you to remember is that people who've lived together for years often read those journals and they just don't know that person. So do give them the benefit of the doubt and do not call them a name because God knows their story a lot better than you do. And even as we consider the story of the woman in John, we remember, and I know you're probably like, what is John? And so I'm going to tell you what that book says, because I have to look it up sometimes, even if I remember the story too. But this is about the woman who was committing adultery and even caught in the very act. And Jesus said, don't condemn her because all of you have committed sins. And this is really important that we remember. Sometimes it's the church and not even Jesus who does this. And sometimes it's really us who does this to our spouses. And I hear this often when 
people talk especially about the hot topic and the painful topic of adultery where you're really tempted to name it and claim it and just call people names and say, this is who you are. And I really want to remind you that that's not healthy and that's actually your issue. You have to find out what's behind the whole story of that adultery. And believe me, there is a story behind that adultery. So I do want you to know that. And I would not have told you that as a young therapist. But now that I've been in this business for almost two decades, I'm like, yeah, there's a story and you need to know it or it's going to repeat itself in your next marriage. And I'm not saying cheating is okay or good because sometimes it's really just about them and it's not about the person who's been cheated on. There's a bigger story to the whole dynamic and it's just about you saying, you know what? Wow, I keep picking cheaters. I don't want this to happen to me. I want to preserve this marriage. I don't want to have to go down that route of a next marriage. How can we get through this together? And the way to not do it, rest assured, of course, I'll share some to help each other, is to call names. That's not going to work. So I'm asking you for both of your sakes and for Jesus sake, do not do this. I also want you to know that another thing you want to make sure you don't do is to frame everything in a negative about your spouse. You've heard me say it before that swan couples do better because they are always thinking positively about each other. And it doesn't mean when I say always that they've never had a negative thought. It just means that they've embraced a positive attitude in general about one another. And yes, they have to do marriage check-ins every week or month, or it may be a more casual way of doing it. But they definitely don't constantly badger and assume negative negative things about their spouse. They're definitely looking out for them and believing the best. And that's actually scriptural too, which is really cool because we all hear that typical 1 Corinthians 13 prayer. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I've heard that a million times, but it's really an important point in the Bible. So I think that it's an important scripture to remember. Even if you're somebody who says, I'm not really religious, this book has been preserved for thousands of years for a reason, through oral tradition and then written. And it's gone through many different hands in order to bring a really special message across. And I believe that's God derived. But either way, let me read it to you. So you can really remember this for your marriage. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And so why I mention this in the same moment I talk about swan couples is simple. I want you to remember that love really suggests that you're thinking positively about your relationship. And it doesn't mean that you ignore red flags, like I said, or that you never check in. It just means that that's your general spirit over your relationship so that you're bringing in love, true love, which isn't counting everything, which is saying you have grace. I love you. And sometimes we have to do this for each other on a regular basis. And you have to call out what is the narrative of what I'm going through as a whatever Enneagram type you are and really just say, yeah, I'm dealing with this today, but I love you. This week, we had one of those moments where my daughters and I had been getting my son ready for his Peter Pan play, and my husband had to make it home in time to just hit the actual performance because he's been more at work now. Even though some of his work is still telemedicine, he's been at the office more. So he had to make it home by the time the 415 play started. And to his credit, he made it home by about 355. So it was like right there in that 10 to 15 minute mark before. And we had just actually said, okay, Jack, go ahead and you can 
watch the Zoom and wait for it to start. And Wes walked in and the living room wasn't set up the way he had idealized it to be. Now, we had been careful to make sure the lighting was right. My daughter's a four. She was really good with that. My other daughter's a nine. She, They both have a little bit of better spatial connection than I do. And I know some of you sevens literally live in one. So don't take offense to that if you're like, I'm a seven and I'm amazing at this. But I am like in my head where I won't even notice if my window is open or closed. And that is a problem. <laughs> so, so I rely on people in my family to help me with things like this. So I was so like open to that and we had the room nice and and he came home and he noticed some things that were off and he was upset, but he was trying to be good about it and trying to be that first Corinthians 13 love. But he's like, I really want our son to have the very best possible environment for this process. And we knew it. So we tried not to hold on to his stress with him, but he was really kind of shuffling things around in the last few minutes. And we finally said, you know what? It's really good the way we did it too. So don't stress about this. And he was able to say, you know what, guys, and this is so key for you guys who struggle with, or gals, who struggle with just not being able to sit with yourself, your spouse's stuff, your own junk, and just say it. And he named it and he goes, you guys know I get OCD and I get like this. And when I'm nervous, I get even more this way because I just want it to look just perfect. And he just said, all right, so we're going to just leave it where it was but I am going to fix a couple things around. And that really just helped everybody to be able to relax because he named it instead of us feeling like we're walking on eggshells. He was able to say, guys, I'm just nervous. And this is part of it. Bear with me. I really want to make this the best. And I'm sure some of you ones are like, yes, but this is a great example for you. How, and I've shared before how my husband and I will actually say to our kids, you know what? We're not perfect. We're in process too, but this makes us feel safe and good about life. And my son being a six was really chill with all of us because the poor little guy was like actually like up against quite a bit. He had to deal with stuff that I just said, but he also had to deal with all of us getting really like annoying. I can actually say it and it's totally true. I don't even mind to say we were all being super annoying when his play was going on and we were like giving little stage manager cues and he was just literally like, I know what I'm doing, guys. I have practiced this play all year long, but he was so sweet and chill about it because being a six, just the thrill of having his whole family focused on him was so much fun that he didn't even care. He was just like, I'm able to ignore you like you guys don't know what you're talking about, but I love that you're watching me. I love that you're trying to give me tips. Another huge part of your communication that I want you to avoid, aside from nitpicking, aside from trying to be negative, aside from just bringing in that air of superiority like you are judging them, and aside from, of course, like we said, physical or name calling, I want you guys to remember that what's so important to pay attention to is negative nonverbals because even the slightest cheek inflection can make a difference in how we perceive our mate. It is ridiculously minute responses and connections that we make with these nonverbals. So make sure you're paying attention to your own, not in a robotic way like, oh my gosh, I have to check how my cheeks are looking. But it's more of a way that suggests your spouse can tell when you're upset. There may be a few who are so cerebral 
that they can't, but most can, whether it be because they say, I've got female intuition, or whether it be because they say, I'm a this type or a this type. I'm really good at this, especially if they're in their heart triad. But either way, just know that nonverbals have been ways communication has taken place in humans since the beginning of time. So not only do you want to be positive with that, but how you want to be not negative is that you want to make sure that you are not communicating that you don't care. Because I've talked about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which are so important to communication before, and one of them is withdrawing and stonewalling. And that is very important that you don't communicate that with your nonverbals, that that's what you're doing to your spouse. And they can tell. And the phone behaviors that we're seeing today are just unparalleled. So make sure you're really putting the phone down and showing enthusiasm for your spouse's topics at least five minutes a day. And that is so minimal. So please try for even more than five minutes a day. But why I say five minutes a day is it's a nice number you can hold on to and ask yourself in the course of a day, did you do that? Did you really just set your phone down and look at your spouse and have meaningful, engaged conversation and showing nonverbal interestedness? Wow. If you did that, I bet your spouse feels really loved because that's not happening for a lot of couples. Another thing I want you to make sure that you don't miss is scheduling your date nights. It's super important that you prioritize your relationship and some vacation time together so that you're not feeling like you never get that time to replenish together. And then people say, I wonder what happened to us. And it's like, what happened to you guys is you lost your intention and you need to get that back. So make sure you do that. Also make sure when you're getting too heightened that you take 30 minutes to decompress. This is super important because when negative physical issues come up. It's often because people just went on too long and the pursuer is chasing now. There's nobody saying any kind words of affirmation or just terms of endearment to say, I need a little bit of space. I love you. Nobody's saying that everybody's instead jumping the gun, chasing each other, and it's not healthy. So make sure you do that. I also want to lastly make sure on the negative that if you're really struggling with being a negative person, that you don't forget that old love dare adage, which was say nothing negative for an entire day and see how many days it takes you to get there. And when I first tried this out, it actually took me like a bunch of days to do this. So I want to give you some warning. It may take you a while. By the time I was done with that, guess what? Our marriage issues were over for that season of life. It was literally like, oh, I thought my spouse was being really difficult. Instead, come to find out during that particular season of marriage, I was being difficult. So it's really important that you take that time and say, am I actually contributing much of the negativity to this relationship? Or am I trying to be like that swan couple? Am I trying to set date nights? Am I trying to make sure I'm not name calling? And am I trying to make sure that, of course, I'm not being physical with my spouse in a negative way or forceful? Now, here's some of the things I do want you to do with your spouse. People always talk about eye language, but what I really like to remind you of is we language. Eye language is great if you need it, but it's not the only way to do things because if we're always going around saying I, 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 it sounds very selfish. But if we're saying, I think this would be really great for us, or I think that we both highly value this, that's a better way to make your spouse feel included versus, okay, it's all about you now. Another thing I want you to remember is some people really like to symbolize having their communication rules for the family up on the wall. And it doesn't have to be specific rules like a teacher. It could be things like one of the values of this home is that we love adventure. Another value is that we're kind. And you've all seen posters like this. You could even buy one or you could go to a place like we have one called the Maker's Market where you go ahead and you create your own family rules and 
that you guys see. And it's a good thing. It's not a jail sentence. It's just, this is one of our values that we're both excited about. So that definitely goes on the list. That way it feels freeing and exciting to you guys to see it out. And you know, that's super important to me as a seven. I also want you guys to remember that we have to have compassion on our spouses. And I already covered that a little bit, but I couldn't leave that out because of course, that's a positive thing you can always have for your spouse. I just finished reading Call of the Wild with my high school lit class and we're so excited to be done with our year, even though I'm going to miss them so much. And it was so weird to have to end with Zoom, but we really had a meaningful ending and we had finished on the book Call of the Wild. And that was important because we're reminded that as much as we do have that survival of the fittest nature, we have to overcome that. We have to remember we're not just animals. We are people who care. We are higher than the animals and we really do want to respond to the deeper level issues. We know there's something below the surface. It's not just, okay, I own you or I'm the top dog as happened in that book and movie where Buck is running to the head and saying, I, this is my place and there's only one top dog. Compassion instead suggests we are a team and we're going to do this together and I'm going to make sure that I hear you and I know you and that I give you some trust because it does take that to really be a human with your spouse. And I don't want you to just be animalistic. I want you guys to be loving, made in the image of God people, which is a high title to be able to say, my creator made me in their image. Wow, that's amazing to be given that title where you are really a blessed individual and you can make higher order decisions for yourself, not just instinct, not just, I don't like it. You can actually make compromises, which is the next thing I wanted to talk to you about. Make sure you include compromises in your marriage discussions because you are not a hero and a villain. You are people who love each other and are adults and who have different choices sometimes. And you're not going to convince your spouse to be just like you. So sometimes you need to say, I'd like to do it your way this time. And next time I'd like to do it my way. And it's important that you talk to a wise counselor if your spouse is not willing to be a team with you, because you can get all the self-care you want all day long. And I've said it so many times. I want you to really focus on that. That is literally my marriage pilgrimage is to make sure people get that part of it because they often think their spouse is supposed to meet all their needs and they're not. But I do think that it's really important to have an actual marriage, to have communication, to have compromise. So make sure you get help if you're like, wow, I have really great self-care. And, you know, Krista's helped me to make sure that I'm taking care of myself emotionally, spiritually, and physically every day and to fight for it. But my marriage sucks. It's like, I don't want you to have that either. So make sure you're working on these things and make sure you're taking care of this. Even if you're only doing it once every few months, this is something you are going to be blessed by if your spouse is not willing to work with you because that's that's a heavy burden to carry. So I want you to make sure you also take care of your finances together. But we're going to talk about that when we do that whole podcast on finances. But I also want you to realize one more thing about the positives, aside from the date nights, aside from making sure that you have your family story written out in terms of on a plaque or that you both know your values, aside from the compromising, I want you guys to make sure that not only do you have support, but that you also take time to create a legacy together. Because put together, you and your spouse have assets that previous generations didn't have. You have opportunities that previous generations didn't have, even if we were just thinking about technology alone. But there's so many more things each generation gets. So 
consider your assets together and try to work with those mostly. You do have negative features too of each personality type, but one thing I really like about what Ian Cron reminds us of is we're still us at the end of the day. As much as we want to be self-actualized and really look like all of the nine types, we still do a lot of the time look like our type in the best and the worst ways. So try to own it. Try to say, what are our assets? Let's work with what we've got so that we can be those swans together, so that we can be really celebratory about our particular strengths. Just like you say to the athlete, your gift is endurance and your gift over here is that you're really good at your positioning of the basketball. And your gift over here is that you're a great linebacker in football. And I hope I said that right. But I really want you guys to remember, what are you good at together? And try to look at that more than you look at what you're not good at because it's really hard to say, I'm going to make changes for my spouse. You can't do that. You have to let your spouse grow in their time and in their way. And I want your spouse to grow. I do want them to be content with themselves, but I also hope all of you and your spouses are deciding every single day, I'm going to learn something today. I'm going to be a little bit healthier today. That's a great thing to have. So don't say I've arrived. Say I'm content with what I have. I'm also willing to grow and I'm also willing to look together with you to see what are our assets so that we can use them. We can plan our lives around them. We can make sure we're in the right careers, that we're in the right self-care measures. We can make sure that we have our kids in the schools or daycares or homeschooling patterns that really fit us as a family. We can look at our kids with that same intention and communication style and we can have more energy as a couple and as a family and our legacy is going to be so much healthier when we're planning like this. So even if you're not one to get together and plan 24 seven, do take some time after this episode to get together and to plan with your spouse and make sure that if you're feeling like you need more of a specific roadmap that you check out one of my marriage programs, Relate or Release, because I have them lined up in a very particular way for a reason that will follow the health of your relationship as you take step-by-step choices to embrace health together. And you can actually use the names of the book as your 50% off coupon codes for your PDF copies. You can also go to Amazon and order them, of course. And I don't know how long they're taking these days to get them because some of my clients are ordering them and vice versa. I'm ordering it for them, but we'll see when they actually get them because I know Amazon is still being careful. But I want to let you know if you want to go the PDF route, I will give you 50% off and you can get them using the code RELATE or release depending on which book you buy. And that is at my website, reflectionscc.com. If you want to grab the May freebie that's still up on routines in your marriage, that's over at enneagramandmarriage.com. And you go on my email list in both of those cases. And I always give you my new information every Monday about what's happening with me. And for those pastors and counselors and coaches, you might remember that this Friday, we have a special training for those who are interested in learning how to administer the relate and the release, or if you're a marriage helper of any kind or somebody in school for this. I'm really trying to isolate people who are interested and focused and dedicated to helping couples because I think that's who's going to do the best with any kind of a training for couples versus somebody just interested in couples. If that's you, you can research marriage all you want. If you really have a heart for helping couples, I think that would be such a lovely way for you to get together with me and Glenda, my therapist actually, who is going to be doing a bonus training and she is doing the training on trauma. So if you like working with couples and you know that you want to understand more about how couples have trauma together, I also have Glenda there 
doing a bonus for that as well. And the coupon code for $50 off that training is R&R. And that is this Friday, May 15th. So if you're listening to this afterwards, I'm sorry you missed it. And hopefully we'll have it on afterwards at some point also. I hope you guys have such a good week. I'm so looking forward to talking to you guys next week about finances and then the following week about intimacy. It's going to be so much fun as we talk about the big three. And I hope you have such an awesome week as you try some of these practices out. I can't wait to hear how it goes. Bye-bye.